Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. Distraction. Distraction is so commonplace in our world today. We lose track of our time, our passions, our calling. Embracing the mundane until what's important blurs out of view. But what if we took the time to recenter, to give precedence to what really matters, to forfeit routine in pursuit of the exceptional? What if we took the time to zone in, regroup, and focus? I want you to take your Bibles. We've been um, really emphasizing that this month on Bibles. And uh, I'm going to apologize right up front. My mind has not been working the greatest going through what I'm going through. But someone asked me personally for a Bible. And if that's you, I don't remember you. Uh, but it's in my office, so come see me. And don't you lie and come and say you told me you needed a Bible. I'll probably still give it to you, but then the other person can't get the Bible. But um, also, if you need one, I know several of you asked for one. But if you need one, you just go to the um, connection table out there. We'll get you a Bible. And I really would love for you to really uh, look at God's Word. And maybe it's um, you use it on a phone or whatever your circumstance is. But we're going through Second Timothy chapter number 2. Messed up the intro just a little bit. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I've already talked to people. The fasting and praying, some of you have been doing. Uh, we've been uh, having a live uh, uh, feed, uh, Facebook Live or whatever it's called, five o'clock on Sunday evenings, and some of you said, hey, uh, I messed up my fast or I stopped this routine. Let me really challenge you. Uh, by now, most New Year's resolutions, according to stats, have been broken. Uh, how many of you were wanting to go to the gym and it's negative 80 below and you made an excuse about that or you said you were going to give up desserts, but they were too good? Uh, whatever it is, uh, you can still get back up again and uh, get on this fast with us for the next seven days uh, before we go into our next series. Next week, we start a new series. It's called uh, Status, and I'm going to be teaching on uh, whatever your status is when it comes to relationships, whether you're single, uh, a young single person, or divorced, or whatever it may be, uh, then dating. Then I'm going to talk about parenting and marriage, and for the next four weeks, we're going to go into what the Word of God says about our relationships here on earth with people. So I hope that you will come to that. Don't miss it. Invite somebody to it. And I, and I don't want you to think this because most people do this. They'll be like, always oh, talking about single. I'm not single. But did you know that uh, we can minister to our body uh, by us uh, really focusing in how we can encourage single to dating to parenting? We just say don't have kids. And then um, uh, marriage. That was you catching on. Awesome. Uh, so uh, I want you to take your Bibles. We're ending a series called Focus, and uh, today's theme is called Running. Uh, say that word with me. Ready? Running. Running. Uh, I believe there is a metaphor used in the last couple verses in this chapter on a race. Paul uses a metaphor about fleeing. He uses a metaphor about pursuing. I believe you could sum up the Christian life, and you could sum it up in running. 
Um, whether uh, you're searching today, whether you have started a relationship with Jesus, or you're wondering if you can have a relationship with Jesus, or you've had one for, for many years and you want to keep growing in your spiritual journey, I think it's important to understand that every one of us are going to have times in our life to where we have to start running again. You either need to start running or you need to start running, spiritually speaking, again. Uh, I ran a half marathon when I lived in Las Vegas around uh, parts of Lake Mead. I'll never forget this moment in my life. It was a very humbling experience, but I practiced for it. I had a guy who was a triathlon who helped me get ready for it. And I came to this half marathon thinking I was going to crush it, never raced officially before. And it's Vegas, so people are dressed up weird. Come on. Uh, so there's this college girls that are dressed up in these like, uh, 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 ballerina outfits. And, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna toast them today. And, and the gun goes off and we start running and, and, uh, it was uh, hot and it was heels up and down. And I thought I was gonna die of thirst. And then I stopped and started walking. Then I ran again. And all of a sudden, these girls come running past me, which angered me. So then I would sprint to get ahead of them again. Uh, I would get out of my lane. I almost knocked a lady over. Uh, and she had some Vegas words for me that day. And then uh, I kept running. And I was so tired. And we were, we were at the finish line. And I, I, I thought I had beat the ladies that were dressed like ballerinas, then all of a sudden at the end of the race, I couldn't go any faster and they blew right past me. And all I could see is as I'm jogging up to the finish line is them cheering and hugging each other. And I had hate in my mind in the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes running a race, we think we understand everything. We think that, that we get the terrain. I had walked that terrain. I had driven that uh, race around Lake Mead, but we're never prepared for the elements when it comes to a race. Many times to run a marathon or a half marathon or any kind of running, you have to have memory muscle of how to treat your body, how to prepare and to be ready for anything out of the or ordinary. You know, I believe it's the same thing on the spiritual journey. I believe it's the same thing in the spiritual life. Some of you, no matter what joke I say this morning, you're going to sit there with a frown on your face because something is going on in your life that you're battling today and there ain't nothing anybody can do about it. Some of you need to stop smiling so much because it's creepy. I don't know what area of life you are in right now, but you probably weren't expecting where you are right now. You see, because uh, running the spiritual race, you can't control circumstances. You can't control other people's reactions. You can't control what this world does. You can't control what society does to you. You can't control uh, some things about your career. You can't control your children. And, and when they start talking, you really understand that. And it's important for us as Jesus followers to really take heed to focusing on our spiritual journey Paul is speaking to a young pastor named Timothy, and he tells him these words. And I want you to read uh, verse uh, 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 number 22 with me. If you take your Bibles and, and read verse 22, it says this. It says, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from pure heart. I, I want you to underline a right uh, or, or mark in your Bible, or write in your notes, two words. I want you to look at the first word in that verse, flee. 
I want you to circle it. I want you to underline it. And then I want you to go to, after that, it says, flee from youthful passions and pursue. I want you to underline or mark or whatever it is you do. Uh, I'm taking notes. I want you to take notes on the words flee and pursue. This is interesting uh, that Paul says this, and I don't even know where I am in my notes, and it just doesn't really matter at this point. But it's interesting what Paul says in this verse. Flee, pursue. Say those two words with me. Flee, pursue. Now say it like you mean it. Flee, pursue. When you're running the spiritual life, you're either fleeing sin and pursuing righteousness. This is interesting. It's interesting to me that Paul even says this. I flee, uh, is interesting because it means you must have gotten into something. I believe no matter who you are, no matter how great you are as a Christian, no matter what you think about your Christianity, that every one of us deals with this awful word called sin. Sin that we're trying to break free from. Sin that we're trying to flee from. Sin that we're trying to get away from. Sin that enters into our mind, whether it's just awful thoughts, whether it's things or actions, but we're all trying to flee from those sinful things so we can be right with Jesus. But then Paul says, not only do we flee sin, that we should pursue righteousness pursue righteousness. These these are important things. Let, let me give you a background of this passage in verses 22 through 26. We pick up on the illustration that Paul used last week in verses 20, 21. Paul admonishes, he encourages Timothy to be a person who purifies himself so that he can be useful to God. We talked about this, and I'm going to continue to beat this into us. It's It's useful, not successful. Most Christians in America today have brought Christian consumerism, American consumerism into the church, and it's about being successful instead of useful. Our church must be useful for the kingdom of God. We can have the biggest church in town and still not be useful. We can have a successful family and not be useful. We can have all the money in the world and not be useful. It's important for us to really change our mindset and way of thinking when we think about the spiritual journey, that it's more important for us to be useful in the Christian life instead of successful as people would see. And if you notice, Paul continues to develop the idea of purity and holiness with the word righteousness. And in verse 22, Paul tells Timothy some ways in which he can practically purify himself and remain useful for God. You need to remember that the spiritual journey is a race. The spiritual journey, you're not going to get it right every day. If I was to take a poll this week, I think we'd all be amazed how many of us feel like we probably failed in our race and the spiritual journey. So often we get caught up in works and so often we get caught up in performance and so often we get caught up in the way that it looks in our spiritual journey. But my friend, it's important for you to understand, don't be in despair this morning. Don't be dismayed this morning. Don't be concerned and worried this morning. Our God loves you unconditionally. He forgives you unconditionally. He wants a relationship with you. And if you have failed in your race, then you need to get up and start running again, knowing that we all need forgiveness and we all need short-term memory during this race in the human life when it comes to our spiritual journey. And in these seasons of your spiritual race, you must really focus on what you're running from and running to. 
What am I running from? Everybody in this room, man, I want to stand so bad. Everybody in this room is running from something. Think about that. I'll let you think about it for two seconds. What are you running from when it comes to your spiritual journey? Every one of us has temptations that are different than everybody else. Every one of us deals with certain issues in life. And everybody in this room has one thing in common. We're running from something that can damage us in our spiritual life. And then I want you to think about this. What are you running to? What are you running to? What are you running to? And so the first thing I want you to see in this word run and the running concept is we must run from temptation. As we think about the word run and we think about the spiritual journey, we must run from temptation. Look at 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and I want you to see verse 22 again. It says, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. After a somewhat detailed metaphor in the verses before regarding household utensils, Paul's application gets right to the point. Paul's way is not to spend a long analysis, but to encourage Timothy to run. If a a Jesus follower is going to be useful for the kingdom, then he must have in his mind, she must have on her heart the word run, because temptation abounds in this broken world. Temptation abounds on the spiritual journey. Temptation in marriage, temptation in relationships, temptations with food, temptations with lying, temptations with stealing, temptations with anything you can think of, whatever you are tempted by. We must learn the words spiritually run from temptation. If you look as he lives and works with the community, Timothy here, The community of God's people, he will find that together they can work as these large but infinitely worthwhile pursuits when they learn to run. Hamilton Hill's usefulness will be if we can work in unity to run from and to. These two imperatives, flee and pursue, are identical to those in 1 Timothy 6.11. Write that passage down. I want you to look it up. 1 Timothy 6 and 11. Later, I want you to look it up. It's the same identical speech that he's giving. And this way of speaking and writing was typical of Paul in the pastoral epistles and possibly in his personal life when he uh, interacted with Timothy. He was talking about a race. Uh, Most of us can describe a time when a parent, a coach, a teacher, or other authority figures tells a child to simply run. You don't have time to give instructions. You ever been in that position as a parent? You ever been in that position as a coach or a player where a coach just says run? Uh, Yesterday, I was at my daughter's fifth grade basketball team. If you haven't lived, if you're not at a fifth grade girls basketball tournament all day long, come on, somebody. I sat in the stands and I've coached basketball for many years, helped coach or been the coach. And And I was watching this and all of a sudden Haley got the ball and out of my mouth without even thinking about it, I said, run! She was frozen and she was, she was holding the ball and, and, and I just yelled and I could see Lori and my middle son Jonathan scooting to the left a little more. But there's times in life when explanation is not needed. It's time to run. 
Paul was making an emphasis. You can't battle sin. You can't battle things that hold you in bondage. You can't think that you can overcome it because we are nothing but flesh and bones and dirt without the Holy Spirit's guidance and running us and we're fleeing from that sin. We can't have usefulness in our spiritual journey. And many people today associate, I want you, I want you to really hear this if you hear nothing else. Many of people today associate the term lust only with sexual sin. But the Greek here in this word is not saying sexual sin. The Greek term simply means desires, especially evil desires. This is what I believe. I believe that anything that overcomes you where the Lord cannot be the Lord of your life is evil and a detriment to your spiritual journey. I don't care if it's good to this world or bad to this world, whether it's sexual sin, whether it is food, whether it's a personal relationship, whether it is a a career, whether it is a degree, no matter what it is, when something overtakes and you put God off of his rightful place and put whatever that is in place, I believe it's wicked and it will hurt you in running your race spiritually. So don't just disregard this Christian scholars today and nod your head and say, get them, Pastor Mark. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to all of us to understand that it's not sexual sin. It's anything that becomes evil in our personal life to where we pursue it more than we pursue God and his kingdom. Paul is not so much speaking of sensual passions as he is of those kinds of headstrong passions of youth. He's not just talking to the students. This verse gets taken out of context. This passage gets taken out of context. Like, it's all about students. So we read this to our students. I was talking about youthful passions. It's talking about our passions. It's talking about pursuing those things. And while these items certainly apply to younger people, they also apply to anyone who struggles with these things. And many people today, regardless of their age, struggle with the same sins and temptations. And we've got to run from them. So the first thing is run from temptation. Run from temptation. Here's the second thing. Run toward godliness. Run toward godliness. You can't just run from temptation without running to something to replace it. I'm gonna give you a word here because many Christians fail at this. We run from temptation, but we're not running to anything that replaces it. If you're going to be successful in your spiritual journey, you've got to run from sin, run to godliness that replaces it. Uh, Many people are living with a void in their life. I said this last uh, week on Facebook. Uh, The goal of of, uh, fasting is not to replace it with another food. The goal of fasting is to replace it with prayer and thanksgiving to God. And this is the the direction that many Christians with good hearts go. What they do is they say, yes, Pastor Mark, I agree with you. I've got sin in my life. I need forgiveness of that sin. And what we don't understand is there's no way that we can hold and and, and not, not give in to temptation without us replacing the temptation with godly pursuits. So and let me let me say to you today, what are you fleeing from? Well, whatever you're fleeing from, make sure there's a destination you're running to. There's a destination you're running to to make sure that it is godliness so that you do not have void in your life to give in to temptation. And so if you look at 2 Timothy 2, 22 again, it says, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. 
by balancing the negative, flee. You go to avoid with the positive, pursue. Paul emphasizes that both are necessary parts of ministry. When a person runs a race, they must both run away from the starting blocks and toward the finish line in the Christian life. A a, a person must both flee from sin and run toward godliness. I'll never forget the first storm we had here. We bought a house with a basement, the first house we lived in here. And you say, Pastor, how many houses you've lived in in four years? None of your business. And uh, uh, we, we chose a house with a basement. And we started hearing these storms, lightning and thundering. And, and my kids have never even heard it, especially my daughter, never heard lightning or thundering before coming from Vegas. And so we got a little scared and I was wondering, and someone called me and said, hey, Pastor, uh, uh, are you in your basement? And I said, no, do we need to be? He said, this probably be a good idea. There was a tornado warning, it may turn into a watch. And I, so I'm like, code red, code red to the basement. Get canned goods and run down now. We're down there and I won't let anybody even go up the first step because of the storm. We can't hear it. We're down in the basement. It's like one in the morning on a Sunday morning. And finally, I get a text from the same person that says, you're not in your basement still, are you? No, not at all. You woke me up from sleeping. I didn't know the protocols from the storm, but I can tell you this. If it's thundering and lightning, it's not pretty smart to stand out in in, 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 in the backyard when it's lightning. Anybody agree with that? It's the same thing in our spiritual journey. When we run from the storm, we must be running to the shelter from the storm. And that shelter is godliness. Godliness. While most translations use the word pursue in verse 22, the RSV translates the latter expression as aim at righteousness set right actions as a goal for living. Usefulness for a Christian is not just to run, but to run towards something. Our aim must be godliness. Look, I believe, maybe you're here today, you're here and you say, Pastor Mark, I don't know if I can have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know, very practically speaking in this message, that you can have a relationship with Jesus. It, I, it, we all can. But, but let me say something to you. I, I love the songs we've sung. I, I love the fellowship we have here at Hamilton Hills. But if we are just fleeing sin and living off a high from our emotions, from feeling good, it will not last. We will fall back into temptation. We have to be running toward godliness. That's why God's word is important for you to know, not just your pastor. That's why it's important for you to study. That's why it's important for you to read something every day. That's why it's important for you to apply the word of God to your life. Because when you live void of spiritual food, you will fall back into temptation. And here's here's another thing. Run with godly. Run with godly people. Run with godly people. This sermon's very practical. I believe it's straight from Paul who was telling us how to run an effective, useful race. Run with godly people. If you look at 2 Timothy, and I want you to look at verse 22 in the last part of 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 22, it says, Faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The CSB and various other translations describe the relationship between Christians in this passage by using the phrase, along with. Along with. Say those words with me. Along with. You see, so many Christians live this life without others 
who are on a godly pursuit. But all through the scripture, especially in the New Testament, he tells us to live life along with godly people. Godly people doesn't mean perfect people. Godly people doesn't mean people who live in sin sometimes and got to get out of it. What it means is, is you're living with people, you're doing life with people that are pursuing godliness just as a goal as you are. And this is a common concept. Paul intended for Timothy and other Christians to pursue godliness together. If church is an event for you, you don't understand the New Testament church. I love you. I'm glad you're here. You're faithful here. I want you to be here. You have met the best pastor in this town, and I want you to be a part of this journey. And so the point is to me is, is it's not just an event. The church is you and me, Jesus followers, who are pursuing a life of godliness. So when people choose church to be a weekly event they attend, they don't understand the power of the church because the power of the church is the people of the church to do life in the church so that you are with other people going through the same issues that you're going with. And the phrase, those who call on the Lord, has its roots in the Old Testament. This last phrase is another saying for God's people in the Old Testament. They are those who call upon the Lord. That is worship, Yahweh, the God of Israel, and none other. While it can be used of those who pray in the New Testament, Acts 2.21 talks about this, it is normally broader in scope as it describes those who align themselves with the Lord. How many of you would say that it's rough out there? I don't mean the snow and the weather, but it's rough out there. This world has its ups and downs. Life can be messy. And if we live life alone, according to Scripture, Scripture is even telling us it can't be done. Opportunities for Christians to experience this within the various ministries of our church is important. Getting involved in a small group is important. Serving together is important. Being missional is important. Serving other people, doing things uh, in this church and outside of this church together is important. And here's the last thing. Run for the salvation of others. Run for the salvation of others. I told you in this series, I'm going to give you just practical application to focus this year. And this is it. This is the last, last point of the last message of this series. Paul is edifying what that means, encouraging this young pastor Don't just have a circle of friends where you all feel smart and feel better about yourself. If you are studying God's word, but not applying God's word, you are unhealthy with God's word. It's important for the church to run an effective race for other people. I don't care who you are in this church. I don't care how tied in you are to this church. I don't care if you're thinking about going to another church. Whatever church you go to, you must understand if you are a Jesus follower, Paul is imploring you to understand that as a Jesus follower, you're not just running the race for you, but you're running the race for those that you don't even know that need you to be effective not successful, effective for the kingdom. Look at 2 Timothy 23. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. It says, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. Gosh, if we would apply 2 Timothy 2 to church life, church would be in unity, wouldn't it? Paul said, don't get involved in quarrels, arguments that don't matter. Don't get involved in things that really for the, the scheme of things that don't, don't really matter, no one cares about. It says, the Lord's servant must not quarrel, must not argue, but must be gentle to every one. Well, this has convicted me. Are you still with me? Everybody out there? Be gentle to everyone. In other words, let, let me interpret that for the Greek. Don't be a jerk. It's amazing how people who stand for truth uh, uh, can, can, can in their mind get away with being a jerk. You're hurting the cause of Christ. You know, the Bible tells us, be gentle to everyone, even people you don't agree with, even the people who don't believe in God, even with people who want nothing to do with your spiritual journey. But notice what it says, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents. This is a word to a pastor, but I believe it should apply for every Jesus follower. You can teach what you've learned. You can teach what you've learned. In addition to these themes of personal holiness and usefulness for the master, Paul has already discussed, Paul reminds Timothy of the need to reach others for Christ. Timothy's own pursuit of godliness could be used by God to bring others to faith. Not only would Timothy need to live a consistent godly life, he would also have to approach unbelievers in a wise and careful way. Some examples of these ways in which Christians may speak the truth but may do it in a rude and offensive way is when we stand on a soapbox. Can, can I tell you Facebook arguments are not your friend's Being an internet troll is not a quality of a Christian. Some of you, I, I'm losing you right now. You're like, oh my gosh, you're preaching heresy, Mark. It's important for you to understand that if we are going to impact the kingdom, it's sometimes less about your words and your keyboard and more about your actions and how you treat people in life. The example of Jesus is the ultimate pattern for the way in which we carefully approach. So in case you thought I was preaching heresy, if you look in the New Testament, the best example I can give you of actions and not words is a man named Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard of him? Jesus and how he treated even the worst of sinners. Jesus and how he treated even his opponents. Jesus and how he even treated the one who betrayed him. And the example of Jesus is the ultimate pattern, how frustrated Jesus must have been, not only with the wider circle of friends, but his disciples sometimes. Yet apart from short, sharp rebukes, he normally teased them with another parable. He redirected with another story about grace and truth. Instead of another argument, instead of a yelling match, instead of shunning them, someone said to me not too long ago, they meant it, as, uh, as something mean, and I took it as a compliment. Uh, well, well, Mark just makes it too easy for people to find Jesus. I'm like, that's the best compliment you give me. You find Jesus 
And as you find Jesus, it should be easy for other people to find Jesus because life is messy. But anything is possible when we are not only running to the wickedness of our life, but running, running from the wickedness of our life, but running to the godliness and to a savior. So can I, can I just really speak into your life for a moment? As you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26, Paul ends this portion of his letter. The last part, I think, is one of the most important parts. We can stay centered as Jesus followers when we realize when we wake up every day of our life that it's not just about us. It's about people we may never meet in our life. We are ambassadors of the grace of God. We are ambassadors of the truth of God. We are ambassadors of forgiveness. We are ambassadors of love. We are ambassadors of peace. We are ambassadors of tolerance. We are ambassadors of those things. And if we do not show those attributes in our life, we need to keep running to the word of God and running to people that will help us get those attributes in our life. Because more than any sermon you can preach, it's the way that you live your life being like Jesus that can save the world. So as we close, there's an apologetics cliche that I like to say. Seek to win the man and not just to win the argument. Seek to win the man and not just to win the argument. Many of you know I I study at Starbucks and you think I'm crazy for that, but that's okay. Seek to win the man. There's a reason why I study at Starbucks because... I like to talk to people. Sometimes I can get in a bubble with everybody who talks Christianese all the time. And so I want to reach people. And there's a certain man who, this is a funny story. I was on crutches, first time out after my surgery, studying in the same Starbucks. It's funny how when you're on crutches and can't walk, you look for the handicapped table in Starbucks. Just so you know, many people don't know this, but Starbucks and every Starbucks, there's a handicapped table. Stay off of it and let the handicapped people use it. I thought that was funny. Whether you, I, I, I got up to the table and he was sitting there and I just put my bag down and pulled my laptop out and sat there with him. And he goes, do we know each other? And I said, no, but I'd love to get to know you. <laughs> he thought I was whacked. Man, he comes there every day. And so I try and come as many days as I can and study God's word. You say, are you talking to him about God? Not at this present moment, but my presence is there. My presence is there. My smile is on my face. Eye contact, conversation. Why? Why? Because I could share with him my sermon prep for the week that he probably would not want to hear or he could see a neighbor who comes to the same spot every day and tries his best to pursue godliness and hoping that godliness rubs off on that man who is sitting at the handicapped table who now we have small talk before we both put on our ear pods to do work and so that one day that I can introduce him to the greatest man that ever lived with these attributes which was Jesus Christ. Christ. 
My friend, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter what circumstance, it's not for you to just be better. It's not for you to pursue happiness. It's not for you to live a peaceful life. It's not for you to be successful. It's not for you to do all those things. But Paul was saying to Timothy, focus, my son, focus, my mentee, focus, my friend, because life is so much bigger than us. And God wants to use us, even if we don't feel talented and even if we don't feel worthy and even if we do feel afraid he wants to use us in all his glory to reach others for him and the way that Hamilton County and beyond will be reached is not by our Bible knowledge but it's by us running to godliness and pursuing it so others may know who Jesus is so can I end this today with this statement I don't even know if it's up there yet because I don't know where I'm at This last one, God, in his wisdom, has chosen to bring people to faith through the godly lives and careful words of Christians. Leave that up there on the screen. I want you to look at that statement. Here's here's two important things in that statement. I got to close. Two important things are this. God, in his wisdom, has chosen. This isn't an accident. God's all-knowing. God's omnipotent. It's not an accident. You were chosen. You were chosen. You. Chosen. He says chosen to bring people to faith through the godly lives. So once you were chosen, you accepted Jesus as your Savior. God's redemption plan is to use you and your careful words. I like that. How many of you sometimes your words aren't too careful? Anybody out there? your careful words of Christians to make more Christians. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm asking you, I don't want to lose you. I know now you're like, oh, what am I going to eat for lunch? And I need to get out of here before someone else does. But can you, can you just focus in on me? Hamilton Hills, the success of our church is for us to throw out that very word and be determined to be useful in our own spiritual journey in our homes, in our little world, in our communities. And I'm asking you right now, would you take a moment in your life and be determined to focus, focus on your spiritual journey and the focus on things that matter and the focus on unity in this church movement towards the Savior. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.